This is Ryan Martin, the host of Psychology and Stuff. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you like psychology. And if you like psychology, you will love All the Rage, the podcast on anger and violence out of Phoenix Studios. On All the Rage, my co-host Chuck Ryback and I talk about everything from internet trolls to toxic masculinity to road rage. We bring you mad science, anger management tips, and tons of stories about people losing their cool. You can learn more about All the Rage and other Phoenix Studios podcasts at uwgb.edu forward slash podcast. And welcome to Psychology and Stuff, the podcast of the University of Wisconsin Green Bay Psychology Program out of Phoenix Studios. I'm Ryan Martin, chair of the psychology program and host of Psychology and Stuff. And today we have an interview with the volunteer coordinator at the Sexual Assault Center of Family Services here in Brown County. But first, I want to remind you all that you can get involved in Psychology and Stuff by visiting us on Facebook and Twitter by searching for Psychology and Stuff. So for Facebook, it's Psychology and Stuff. For Twitter, it's at Psych and Stuff. There's a lot of great stuff there um, about the show, but also psychology more generally. Plus, we take requests. So if you have ideas, thoughts, topics you want to hear about, you can let us know that way. I also want to say that we are now available via Stitcher along with all the great Phoenix Studios podcasts. So if you use the Stitcher app, you can find us there. Thank you, Stitcher. And that brings us to our guest for today. So Chelsea Steffens is a former UW-Green Bay psychology student. Uh, She's actually a former guest of the podcast, having done a side talk a few years ago and serving as a guest to talk about that. Uh, She is also the volunteer coordinator at the Sexual Assault Center of Family Services here in Brown County. So I was unavailable to do that interview, so you're going to hear from a couple of other voices on this one. Uh, Sammy Elger-Fieser is a UW-Green Bay psychology student who uh, you've heard from before. She's been a guest host before, um, as well as our intern, Sophie Seelan, who uh, you will hear from in this episode as well. So without further ado, here is that interview. everyone. I'm Samuel Drafizer and I'm here with Sophie and we are interviewing Chelsea Steffens today. Welcome Chelsea. Thank you for having me. I love being back on campus. It brings up so many good memories. Uh, granted lots of time in uh, the library, unwanted, <laughs> but good good times here. So I was I'm kind of a geek. I totally walked in on campus and was like smiling ear to ear. Um, <laughs> but I'm happy to be here, so thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being on the podcast. So you work at the Sexual Assault Center, correct? I do. I have started, I started that work uh, back in May of 2014. So I was still finishing up my undergrad here. I was a psychology and human development double major, and I started an internship uh, under the direct, under the uh, supervision of Uh, Chris Vespia. She was amazing. She was very great with me. Um, And so I started that internship and I graduated in December of 2015. So then I uh, was able to take on the role and step into a staff position January of 2016. So that was really exciting. And it's been a journey, I would say. Yeah, nice transition. <laughs> yes, a good opportunity. I was able to go right in there. So what is exactly graduation. It? Yeah, what is your role there at the Sexual Assault Center? I am an advocate, but I'm also the volunteer coordinator. So I have a dual role. 
uh, which can be challenging sometimes, but it's kind of exciting because not every day is the same. So when I am working with my clients, I have um, a caseload and I work with clients long term. So I uh, am providing emotional support. I am following up with them. Uh, Some of my high school students that I work with, I go in during their study hall and meet with them and just check in. I, uh, you know, just help them throughout the legal process as well. The legal process is a big part of my role uh, as an advocate. And then in addition to my advocacy role, I'm also the volunteer coordinator. So I am actively recruiting for volunteers. Um, I manage the program. I do a lot. Yeah, no kidding. It sounds like (laughs) it. But it's exciting. I love the fact that I'm able to do both things. It makes things fresh every single day. Um, So one day I have something planned and I'm going to, you know, go and outreach at UWGB and then my client calls me. So I go in and talk with them. So it's, it's exciting. So how much did your psychology degree help with getting into this field? It, it played a huge role, really. Um, I was trying to think back on some of the classes that really helped, uh, really helped my career development. So I would say that abnormal psychology with Dr. Martin was one of the Ooh. top ones, <laughs> really helped me to be able to understand, um, you know, some of the things that my clients are struggling with. It really helped me to be empathetic and, and understand mm-hmm. all of that. Another class that I really uh, cannot thank you know, UWGB for giving me the opportunity to have was counseling and psychotherapy with oh, Vespia. Amazing class. Amazing. Uh, I really you know, took everything to heart. A lot of the concepts that we learned in that class were really helpful for me in terms of working with my clients long term. That unconditional positive regard that we talk about, that uh, therapeutic alliance between my client that I'm working with and myself is is mm-hmm. so huge. And so, um, you know, also had a class with uh, Radosevich on uh, clinical child psychology. And that was a huge one as well because I work with a lot of at-risk teens mm-hmm. and the mental health problems that teens have are quite different from the mental health problems that adults have. And so having to, being able to understand both of them yeah. uh, really, really played into, really played into my work uh, with clients. Yeah. Uh, I think I was really, I'm really glad that I was able to double major and have the human development piece too because having a really good understanding of the process that people go through as they develop and mature into adulthood has really helped too in terms of when I'm working with a parent who is uh, younger and they don't necessarily understand normal sexualized behavior with children mm-hmm. and what's what's common. So I'm able to really educate them and have a good open discussion about those things and the behaviors. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm so, th- I can't even thank UWGB enough to be able to um, just be an alum. Yeah. It's been really great. 
Did you have an emphasis with your psychology major? I did not. Okay. Is that Just, a new thing? Yeah. Why? Yeah. There's so many. Di- yeah. There's was, what are they? There's a mental health emphasis. There's a general emphasis. That's the one I'm doing because I can't pick a favorite because all oh, of it is amazing. Same. There's like a neuroscience one. Yeah. I think and I'm not sure. There's the diversity one. I think. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you just did it all then. Yeah. yeah. Darn. <laughs> I want to. Co- I'm gonna come back. That's do that's it. what I'll do. <laughs> um. Something. I have a question for you about working at the sexual assault center. Do you feel like there is a high burnout rate for people that work there or in similar? There has. There definitely has the. It definitely has the potential to have that high burnout rate. Mm-hmm. I believe. I strongly believe, and I have to really foster uh, that pre- that prevention with my coworkers every day. I have to foster that with my volunteers that I train as well because this is tough work and it is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. We, t- we say that all the time. Uh, you know, once I have someone that is interested in this work, uh, I really want to get them a good understanding of what this work really entails and be very specific and help them understand so that they know what to expect. And even with that expectation and understanding that role, it can still be really hard. Uh, You know, nothing really compare, nothing really prepares you as an advocate to, you know, meet at the hospital in the middle of the night and support someone that looks just like your sister. Uh, Mm -hmm. That, you know, you're meeting with or a time when you're meeting with a teenager who was sexually assaulted and is now pregnant because of the assault. So we really have a lot of different uh, scenarios that we're going to be faced with uh, when we are an advocate, uh, no matter how long we're an advocate. So burnout is something that we have to really consider, and and, and we actually actually train my advocates when they go through my training about compassion fatigue because I think that it is really important, uh, you know, to consider that and understand the the symptoms so that you can see it in yourself and the other people that you're working with. Um, You know, my position actually has a turnover rate of a year, and I've been at it for longer than that. So... I think I'm doing okay. Yeah, uh, I would say. <laughs> but it is it is hard. So it is not easy. But we, as a team, we support each other. Uh, we laugh a lot. We joke around, and um, we take time to take breaks uh, to really debrief after hard conversations on the phone or. Uh, hard conversations with a client that we're working with, no matter what, we have to support each other. Otherwise, uh, you know, we're not going to be able to be there for the clients that we serve. What else do you do for, like, self-care so you don't take this stuff home with you every day? Yeah, we really have to separate work from our personal Mm -hmm. lives. So one technique that uh, the director who has now retired, uh, she had been in the field for over 30 years. Wow. Uh, she is retired in Arizona, just probably sipping coffee on her porch, <laughs> you know, watching the sunset at nights and 
just loving life now and good for her because she deserves it. She's put in the time and effort. Mm -hmm. Uh, She would come into my trainings uh, when I am training new advocates and she would say that a technique that worked for her, she was also a therapist as well, providing uh, support for victims and survivors of um, lots of different types of sexual assault. So she would say, you know, at the end of her day, before she left her desk, she would just kind of do a visualization and take all of the things and just kind of visually put them on her desk and leave it there and then close the door, leave the office, go to your car. And if she's driving home, uh, you know, and a a thought popped into her head, you know, she visualizes that thought taking that thought and saying, okay, well, I'm putting that thought back on my desk. So I'm looking back. I just crossed over the bridge, so it's going back over the bridge. It is going back uh, into the parking lot, up the stairs, uh, into my office, right back on my desk, and I'm shutting the door. So that was kind of a really good technique that helped me as well. Mm -hmm. It really does... It seems a little silly, but it you have to be able to find those things that you can do to be able to separate this from your personal life. Yeah, it's not silly, but works. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Going back to your major in psychology a little bit, did you go to grad school before? I, I did not go to grad school yet. Oh, <laughs> I have always I am a forever learner. So oh, yeah. if it takes me like 20 more years and then I get myself into grad school, I'm going to be proud of that. Uh, it, I haven't turned a blind eye to grad school. Mm-hmm. Just trying to, you know, get comfortable in my field and what I want to do and really pay off my undergrad first. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And oftentimes, like last year at the alumni panel, I remember listening to some people that had gone to grad school after taking several years off in between, and they explained that they felt that they got more out of it than students that went straight from college to grad school. Okay, Because they have more time to mature and then have experience in the field, so. Yeah, I think that if, I see it both ways. I sometimes regret not going right away, but at the same time, I have all of this experience that I've had, uh, that I wouldn't have had going in, so. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And then let's talk a little bit about your amazing Psy Talk, which if uh, <laughs> listeners would like to see it, it is on the Psych Report if you look at the Psy Talks tab. So you talked a lot about processing trauma. Yes. Did you do any research on that? or I did not do my own research. Okay. I just kind of prepared, used the resources mm-hmm. that I had uh, from giving the training that I do with all of the advocates that come through the Sexual Assault Center. Uh, and really just kind of bouncing ideas off of Dr. Vespia. So That'll do it. <laughs> yes, she, she's such a great expert, so she really, really helped me with that. Yeah, so you were working at the Sexual Assault Center before you did your SciTalk, correct? Yes, That's you... abs- yes, I was. Um, I would love to have the time to be able to do research. Mm-hmm. I do miss yeah. that from, you know, res- having research methods class, uh, but someday. Mm-hmm. I will get that. <laughs> so how does what you talked about in your side talk play into what you do every day? Oh, it plays in a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a lot of people don't realize, you know, that a lot of people don't realize how trauma affects 
you and how you are going to react to a traumatic experience. So when I am going to meet with someone for the very first time and they are, you know, maybe they've been sexually assaulted, you know, an hour ago or they've been sexually assaulted 20 years ago, but this is the first time that they are able to share their story with somebody that A, believes them and B, has the expertise and the um, experience with this field, uh, they sometimes don't understand what is taking place in their body and in their mind. Uh, And I really have to uh, try and help them understand not just that first time meeting, but in the continued conversations that I have with them, helping them to understand that their feelings are normal. It is perfectly normal for someone to feel like they cannot remember all of the details of what happened to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I'm supporting or getting ready to support someone for a police statement with law enforcement, uh, they, you know, are nervous because uh, they may not remember everything in the, you know, time frame and the order that it took place. And so my role is really to help them you know, just understand that that's normal and it's okay. Give kind of helping them to give themselves permission to not be perfect with with mm-hmm. this healing process. So, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I have another oh, question. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. What are some of the most common misconceptions people have about sexual assault? Like, I know one thing that you talked about was you expect someone to be almost hysterical, but mm-hmm. when you get there, sometimes they just have no emotion. Right. I think that that is a huge uh, misconception. I think that's one of the biggest ones. And Mm -hmm. I think that that misconception feeds into a lot of other ones, right? So if, you know, you're, if the general public is thinking that victims are, you know, going to be hysterical and they're, you know, just going to be totally emotional the whole time, and then their sister, brother, whoever it is, comes to them and says, I was just sexually assaulted. I think I was sexually assaulted. I don't know, but I'm confused and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. They're already doubting the situation. So we really need to help people understand what is normal. It is normal to have a wide variety of emotions. People are going to most of the time be very uh, emotionless, very matter of fact, and because they're in shock, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there might be some tears, there might be some different emotions coming through, but there is no normal, and that is one of the biggest things. Uh, I guess one other thing that I want people to know is that. A lot of people are under the misconception that perpetrators are lurking in the bushes. They are scoping out their targets, you know, and mm-hmm. and you don't know these people and, you know, they're strangers to you. Those cases do happen. We do see them, but they're not common. Majority of victims and survivors that we work with and research has shown that most people do know that person that did these things to them. So 
it is a friend that they've trusted for years who had crossed the line and didn't listen when they said no and you know thought that their silence was consent it is you know that person that they met a few hours ago uh, at a party that uh, took advantage of them when they were you know very very drunk it is mm -hmm. these different everyday situations uh, or a one-time situation or an ongoing situation where they do know that person so it brings in a huge dynamic that a lot of people don't really want to think about yeah. ever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how do you find the people that you work with? Do they seek you out or do you seek them out? They seek us out. We as advocates don't ever push our way into uh, the lives of people um, and we work with permission. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, we have people that walk into the center uh, during, you know, our normal business hours, eight to five, and they just, or they call the hotline and they say, you know, I just want to come in and talk to somebody and they can come on in anytime. Uh, we uh, also have in Brown County what's called a, a SART. So it's a sexual assault response team in which we get involved with people who are, connecting with law enforcement or the hospital. So in that sense, I don't want people to be confused in thinking, you know, we're pushing ourselves right away, but we know that SART is best practice for the communities that we serve. So we know that the role of an advocate is crucial to the, uh, the resiliency and mm -hmm. the, um, just the overall healing process of an advocate or of a, of a victim, so, so we get involved right away. Um, Brown County has been, you know, leading other counties in that for a very long time, and we're very honored to be able to, to get connected with them right away. So if uh, someone walks into the police station, uh, you know, Green Bay Police Department, and they say, I'm here to report a sexual assault, they say, okay, uh, you know, we're going to bring you into this room, and we're gonna um, we're gonna get started in just a moment, and the officer is gonna go and call an advocate, and then we're gonna get started together. Uh, so it really is a team approach, uh, which helps that survivor not have to tell their story to the officer, and then um, the officer says, "Hey, uh, you know these services are for you. Why don't you call them?" And then they have to go to us and and mm -hmm. tell their story over and over and over again. Uh, so. You know, that is one situation where they go to a police station and then we get connected that way, or we uh, really just uh, respond. We respond a lot to the SANE exam, which is at St. Vincent Hospital here in Brown County. So St. Vincent Hospital has a program for sexual assault uh, victims to go to after they've been sexually assaulted. So. It is a forensic, or it is a, a medical exam, and it is also an evidence collection exam. So we, when someone goes there, we uh, get connected with them as well, and it's a team effort on that end as well. Yeah, not only is that very convenient, but it seems like it'd be very supportive for victims to have someone with there, you know, to hold your hand, walk you through it. Right. So, and, and they're not in the general waiting area among other people that are there for the ER as well. It's in a, 
a private area. Oh. So when they they come in, they get triage, and then they go back to a family room that you know the curtains are closed. It's it's in the back, um, away from the general waiting area. And then the SANE exam room itself is in the back of the ER in a more private area as well. So it's very trauma-informed, very really, you know, providing that trauma-informed care for Mm -hmm. victims. Um, Can you talk a little bit about why um, victims or survivors might minimize or kind of doubt what has happened to them? Yes. So blame and self-doubt and all of that is really common. Uh, I would say that the general public has so many misconceptions about sexual assault, so that is also something that they are battling with themselves. So, and you have to keep in mind that the these situations occur between people that know each other. Like I said, that's that's mm-hmm. very common. So if it's happening with people that know each other, you had that trust, or at least you had a little bit of trust. And that trust has been violated. So in your mind, you don't want that to happen. And part of the coping process is that denial and and that questioning because it's easier to deny and it's easier to question and say, okay, well, you know, that situation at that party, that wasn't rape. That was just a really confusing thing because that's easier to be able to move on from. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say that... Um, you know, not only are victims trying to work through their own battle with that blame and that self-blame, they're also trying to understand what's happening with their body. Like I talked about in my PSI talk, they have these expectations for what they should or shouldn't do when this incident is happening. So, you know, they they think I should have been able to fight them off. I should have been able to, you know, at least say say no or mm-hmm. do something and and sometimes that doesn't happen. So that's really confusing. Uh, but we're here to to support those people because those are the people that really need it. Mm-hmm. Do you notice that once someone comes and talks to you guys that they're able to clarify more of what has happened and they're not as um doubtful anymore? Yes, absolutely. I think one of the biggest parts of our role and one of the biggest things that survivors take away after either calling the hotline or just meeting with an advocate and, and talking through uh, talking through things is the fact that they were able to have some sense of, of belief from that person that you know, that advocate or that officer, whoever that person is that's there with them. So that is something that a lot of people take for granted, Uh, just being able to, you know, if you were a victim of a robbery and you go to the police station, um, you know, a lot of, or you tell your family and friends about it, we don't tend usually tend to say oh well you know are you sure and and put that blame and say okay well you know did that really happen we don't do that with other crimes but we do it with sexual assault and so when we have survivors and victims that are coming forward and have someone that they uh, can really trust and open up to 
that means the world to them and that really does start that healing process um do you are there any other differences from what people um like think about sexual assault and what's perceived on tv that is different in real life Hmm. Well, you know, what is that show, uh, 13 Reasons Why? That's mm-hmm. what pops into my head right away, actually, after watching that. They did an, I don't know, have you seen it? I haven't. You should watch it. It's hard to watch, and they recommend mm-hmm. not watching it alone because there are a lot of really tough themes to get through. But okay. the way that they portray sexual assault, I think, is super realistic, mm-hmm. and I think it was good, especially for our generation, to see that, and this stuff does happen, and right. people aren't talking about it. Right. Yeah. 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 I think a topic that hasn't gotten a lot of attention and and should have more attention is sexual harassment. I think that we're starting to get there and, you know, celebrities have really started to pave the way for opening up the conversations about sexual assault and harassment, Mm -hmm. but... Uh, one of the characters from Friends, I can't remember his name, but he did a really good PSA about sexual harassment. Uh, oh, David Schremer. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. so Trust. if you are listening to this, go Google, no, go to YouTube and type in David Schwimmer's name, spell it correctly, I don't know how to spell it, <laughs> uh, and put PSA for sexual harassment. There's uh, like seven videos that he put out that are uh, really a good depiction of what it is because a lot of people don't really understand. Uh, So there's um, uh, like a bar situation between coworkers. There's a doctor's office situation. There is another one between a boss and an employee. It's, it's really good because it helps uh, raise awareness to help people understand that, okay, if they had something that was kind of off and it kind of felt weird, but they didn't really know if it was sexual harassment, that might help them to understand a yeah, little bit to better. to clarify. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what advice would you have for current students that are considering following in your footsteps? Find an internship. Uh, I... I'm a little biased, clearly, uh, (laughs) about the internship I did at the Sexual Assault Center, but I think that my internship was really helpful to help me to really understand, you know, this field and how things worked. Uh, Because if I, let me start over. I would say that if you want to get involved, you should volunteer. And I'm biased, clearly, but I think that that is a good first step. I think another really good step would be an internship. So at the Sexual Assault Center, we have we are always looking for volunteers. Uh, and just because we have a training coming up um, and maybe you missed the deadline, that doesn't matter. You can still apply and get started. Uh, so volunteering, besides volunteering, I would say an internship. I'm still very biased uh, with that because it was uh, crucial for um, for me, at least. Uh, at the Sexual Assault Center, we treat our interns similar to staff members in the way that we work together in the office, and 
interns actually take a caseload. So they're actually providing wow. client work uh, under supervision, under direct supervision. That's so, awesome. Yeah, you get to have that interaction with clients, that hotline piece that volunteers do, but then also, uh, you know, see and work with that client long term. If the case goes in the, into the legal process, they are there to help them through that process because it's very confusing and unpredictable. Uh, and really, ultimately, even more than that, that legal process, really volunteers do not get to see the resiliency long term that interns and staff members get to see. So if somebody did want to um, volunteer for the Sexual Assault Center, how would they go about, how does that process work? Yes, so if anyone is interested, they can go to the Family Services NEW.org website and you click on volu- you click on join our team and you scroll down to volunteer and you can fill out a little inquiry. That goes right to my email. So I will respond and then I will um, get you more information and an application and the background check. Uh, And we can, you know, connect and talk through it a little bit more so that you kind of understand what this entails so that you know if this is something for you. Awesome. You can also go on the Facebook page as well. it's one of the first things that pops up on the feed. Uh, it's a, a link right to that website so that you can uh, inquire online. And you get connected to me. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to talk about in your experience or to share with our listeners? Oh, I don't know. It's a big question. It is a big question. Covered a lot today. Yeah. I would say that if you are listening and you, you know, had a situation and anything that I talked about kind of hit a nerve and you feel like you need to talk to somebody about it, our hotline is confidential. You can just call it at any time. It doesn't have to be during the the work day. It can be at 2 o'clock in the morning because you are awake and you can't sleep. Uh, You can call it and just talk to somebody. Um, that's why we're here. So we have to, you know, support each other in this world. So that's why we're here. Awesome. Okay. To do good. Okay, we will move on to our fun game from yes. Ryan's <laughs> brother's hat. So we will ask the five questions. I will yep. start. Okay. okay. Did you explain the game? Yes, okay. I totally run ahead of time. All <laughs> right. yep. okay. Five questions. All right. Any favorite line from a movie? You have to think about this one. <laughs> That's oh. What's your favorite movie? There's too many. Uh, okay, so I'm I'm I like to watch cartoons. I like yeah. So I'm gonna go with Finding Nemo and say <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> oh, that's yep. cute. Great one. Yes. Ooh, Sophie, you want to ask the next one? Yep. All right. Um, do you have a favorite newspaper or blog? I a newspaper. <laughs> I am trying. I'm like behind the times, um, a little bit. I am really trying to get into blogs and podcasts more. Um, so that is on my to do list. Yeah. I 
What? You listen to this one in all the rage, though, right? I do. I have. <laughs> yeah. I, I have, actually. And it's really good. So that is my top, top, top ones. Uh, there's a really good podcast about mental health. I think it's called Psych Central. Oh, That's a good okay. podcast. I like that one. Um, it's not technically a blog, but mm. it, it kind of goes we'll count into it. that yeah. section. Okay, so, yeah. Okay, next question. Least favorite food? Hmm. I don't like... I'm not a fan of sushi. I'm, I'm getting there, and I'm, I really want to make it happen. <laughs> I mean, we're really working on our relationship a little bit. Uh, I went to Coco's once, and it was it was really good. But I was not, I'm. Is it the texture? What is I it? I think it's the texture. Yeah. I also think I had a bad experience with it at Festival oh. Foods one day. Oh. No. no offense to Festival no. Foods, but I mean, if you're new to sushi, maybe don't try free samples. Oh. I mean, <laughs> just just some advice. Gaspation yeah. sushi. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, what kinds of hobbies and interests do you have outside of work? I am an I'm a snowmobile nerd. I we go up every chance we get to our cabin and we go snowmobiling. Um, I got myself some new, really cool new goggles. <laughs> I feel really cool. I feel like I'm, you know, in when I'm cruising through the forest. It's just beautiful. A, it's beautiful. B, I feel like you know when you go up the hills and you're like, okay, I I could maybe be in the Olympics or like the. <laughs> Snowcross games. We like to go to um, Lake Geneva to the oh. snowcross championships. Where, where I'm kind of a nerd, and it's okay, I guess. But one of these years, you'll be out there. Though. I will be there. Yes, okay. I'm gonna be a pro. Yes. Soon. Yeah. We'll have to have you back on to interview you about that. Yes, and I will. Comes. I will definitely give you the tips and <laughs> yes, let you know how I ventured from psych <laughs> into that <laughs> awesome all right our very last question this is a good one what is your biggest pet peeve <sighs> my biggest pet peeve i i am oh my goodness i feel like this should be easy i don't i'm just so I'm very laid back. Oh, I can okay. I can mesh with anybody really. Mm-hmm. I not a lot makes me angry besides injustice, clearly. Mm-hmm. So okay, so we'll go on that on that note. My biggest pet peeve is when uh, you know, I don't we don't see the justice or, you know, clients get the justice that they want. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that was a really deep one. I yeah. would. Have said, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I would have said loud chewing. <laughs> that makes me want to rip my hair out. <laughs> loud yeah. chewing is pretty. Yeah. 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 That's one of my mom's worst pet peeves. <laughs> is it just my worst one? Yeah. I don't know. You don't know? I know. Ha- I'm. I'm not good with this on the fly. Oh man, mm. I think about this all the time. It's just that my basically my entire family like. It's like they're eating gravel or something. I don't know, but it's so loud, and that's I just funny. can't handle it. Yeah, my sister likes to chew ice. So my I mom like to chew them. ice, so no. that is not a pet peeve of mine, because I have to, you know, be empathetic for the 
Mm-hmm. The ice chewers that are out there. <laughs> the ice chewers. <laughs> the little club. Yeah. <laughs> We're in our own club. We we have ice gatherings. Yeah. While you're snowmobiling. While I'm snow- yes, that exactly. Works out perfect. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much for being in here with yeah. us. Thank, thank you. you so much for having me. I I I loved this. So. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. happy to be back. Thank you. All right, so I want to thank our guests. Thank you so much, Chelsea, Sophie, and Sammy. Um, I want to encourage people to check out Chelsea's Side Talk, which has been posted along with this episode, and you can also find that on Facebook right now. Uh, Really good talk, really interesting stuff about her work there and the experiences of victims of sexual assault. Uh, Our next episode is going to be a special research-based episode with uh, student researchers from the Midwestern Psychological Association Conference in Chicago, Illinois, um, which is where we are heading shortly after this. So we're going to go, we're going to interview lots of different students, talk about their research project. These are award-winning research projects being done by students across the Midwest. So uh, we've got that coming up for you next time. In the meantime, I want to thank Sophie again, our intern, but I also want to thank Kate Farley, our producer, and Kimberly Vlees, our podcast artist.